when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is June 5th, 2017, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio. We're coming to you live from Lobby One. It's the afternoon. Normally we do it in the morning, but it's the afternoon today. I'm your host, Austin Walker. Joining me, Danielle Riendo. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Patrick Klepek. Patrick has something on his mind. And coming to us from a room in Los Angeles covered in actual (laughs) pillows, Rob Zachney. Not just pillows. I've also strategically placed... Uh, packages of paper towels and toilet paper around the room <laughs> as baffling. Yeah, baffle. You got to baffle what you can. Patrick, tech. you seem pensive. I'm trying to find out if you can if the website for Goatsy, mm. which don't don't look do not if you don't know what that is, stay pure. Do not look it up. I get. No, I think you should look it up. How old? Are I you? think you should look up the Wikipedia Wait. page for it. There's a long history. <laughs> also, didn't, get, didn't Gizmodo do like a long profile like an, of the guy? Did. Like an oral history of Goatsy? Yeah, oral history no, like, of Goatsy. Well, not oral history. Yeah, I mean, it's a slightly different mm. end of the body. Yeah. Uh, no, they like interviewed the guy, I think. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm trying to find out if Goatsy is still up without going to the website. I don't mind doing the research. I'll take one for the go? team. You, you somebody has to. You got a new somebody phone. Somebody has to have made the phone. website. Is GoatseeStillLive.com. Like that oh, website yeah. has go to. Uh, go to. Like, I'm going it, there now. Like, is it up? Like the website that lets well, you. Well, it might be up, see. but I mean, like it could. Like it says here on the Wikipedia page. At one point, it was in 20, uh, 2011, like, it was forwarding to a web hosting company. Goatsee. Also, as of January twenty fourteen. You know what? I'm going to open a private browser. Open Lincoln Incognito Window. I'm looking. It's loading. It says they're preparing to launch their own cryptocurrency, the Goatsy coin. Safari cannot open the page because the server cannot be found. Goatsy.cx is offering subdomains on Goatsy.cx. You can do virtually anything you want with a Goatsy subdomain, <laughs> just like a normal domain. Host your web page, blog, resume, or IRC server. That's oh, yes. Finally, so can we get my IRC server has a home? Waypoint IRC. Goatsy.cx. <laughs> External so links, come on. I checked, reason, we're good, we're good. It's not, it's not, we live in a different world. Why are you, what, pa- mm. Patrick, how yeah. did we get here? <laughs> There's an, ar- an article I just put up on, the, on, on, on Waypoint uh, about like a really mm. good uh, top-down shooter called a Tormentor X or Cross Punisher. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This really interesting, unique, really fascinating mechanics. And one of the screenshots... Of, of that game, which is at the top of the story, uh, has some hands that appear to be in the position and opening a, a, a circular hole uh-huh. uh, that is part of the transition that occurs when you die and you respawn into the game. Now, that alone, 
okay, like mildly interesting reference to an old internet meme. That at right. this point, like we we live in an age in which you have outlived me, or like there are generational gaps in memes. There yes. are people that don't know what Goatsy is. Yes, uh, but. Uh, Danica uh, tweeted out a one of our uh, our conversations about realizing what this is, and then someone responded to them with a, an apparent quote from the developers in a Steam uh, forum post, in which uh-huh. someone asks uh, Doctor Bileduct, great name. Oh, huh. uh, it says no ring. Please put a ring on the right hand in the first screenshot. Thanks in advance. In which yeah. the developer then uh, replies. Okay, like very, like a very confused. Okay, and then Doctor Bileduct, uh, being the doctor that he is, uh, yeah. the expert yeah. that he is, says, "Thank you, I really appreciate it." And then Johnny Fronthole, great, uh, also great what name, a great name, um, yeah. says, "Do you mean a ring on the hand on the right side of the screen, or on the right hand of the entity creating the opening, which would be on the left of That's the screen?" That's very the good entity. point. The, uh, the entity I'm known not... as Goatsy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> which, which then Dr. Bileduct, again, noted expert, yeah, uh-huh. uh, 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 follows up with a confirmation of the former because mm-hmm. we are inside looking out. Um, Aren't we all? 2017, we are inside looking out. God right. <laughs> so I, what I want to find out is, and I don't know the answer to this, but as you know, a, a reporter that takes their job extremely seriously yeah. and wants to get the inside scoop. Well, like, mm. Mm, Way inside huh? scoop, yeah. You huh? think about that huh? one? You've been sitting on that? Mm. Huh? Sitting on it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Might not want to sit on it. That's, no. that's got its own problems. Uh, I want to find out if that was inten- intentional. Because of the idea, if it's intentional, I don't care. If it is unintentional and that now people are projecting goatee onto this game, <laughs> I find that to be profoundly funny. I really like the notion that it's one artist who snuck it yes. in. <laughs> yes. Like an old artist who's like 37 years old and like... I've been in this game for 18 years. I've been making games since I was a teenager. None of you kids know my old memes. You're all, all your new memes, all your I will protect him bullshit. He was mad about the Sonic one that was about the thought, and he wanted to go back to a good old <laughs> meme that it. was way better. Wholesome <laughs> memes. That's what happened. Uh, I, the, What's this uh, game? What is the game? Wait, what? Not, good, good not, good the, game, not the, the game, not the game, not the game. We're talking about Goatsy. <laughs> not the game. Right, Descartes. We're not talking about the game. Descartes, We're talking about Goatsy. <laughs> uh, that's another old meme that people don't know, probably. It's an Alan Iverson meme. Um, Patrick, what is the game? Uh, it's a it's a top-down shooter. Um, in, in One more which, time, the name, Tormentor X Punisher. Uh, Tormentor, a Tormentor cross uh, Punisher. You'll find it looking with an actual X, so Tormentor gotcha. X. Uh, Punisher. It's, it's on the PC right now, although they've uh, d- uh, expressed intentions of having it uh, ported elsewhere. It's a, a pretty small studio, from what I understand. Um, and uh, you, it's it's a it's top down shooter. Which, like, when I loaded it up, I was like, I don't. Do I really need to play like another one of yeah. these games? Like, I've played a lot of these, um, but uh, it has some really inventive mechanics. Like, for example, uh, your two weapons you have exclusively are a shotgun and a machine gun. Shotgun has, I think, six bullets or like eight bullets, a small amount of bullets. The oh, last wow. one uh, always uh, uh, is, has, uh, has a fire trail to it. So it's like if you 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 don't want to necessarily reload at all times huh. because you might want to get that streak of fire, the but then you bonus. run the risk of then like running out of uh, uh, bullets right when you need them. Um, in order to reload, you don't hit a reload button. You fire your shotgun, which is your other weapon. And so your shotgun acts as the reloading uh, mechanic 
for your machine gun. And so you're constantly swapping uh, between those two, which sort of like determine the flow uh, of combat. In addition to that, the, the upgrading system is really fascinating where uh, it doesn't explain how to upgrade your weapons. It is completely uh, oblique and something you learn about as you're playing the game. Whereas, like, when you'll do certain types of kills, like, for example, if you have a bullet ricochet off of a wall, um, you'll all of a sudden see this meter pop up that says, like, Wally. And then, like, uh, as you do more of that, that meter starts filling in further. Like, there's another one where if you get an enemy to kill another enemy, uh, I think it's called Thank You. And, like, that meter starts to fill up. And, like, those meters are what upgrade uh, your weapons. And it forces you to then uh, approach combat in, like, highly specific in situational ways based on, like, the enemy formations you have, like, how much space you have between enemies, like, the types of enemies that are coming in, forcing you to, like, to play the game in different ways in Mm -hmm. order to upgrade. Um, And it just makes each run really fascinating and different because, like, you might want to, you know, maybe you have a certain upgrade path you like to do, but that's just not happening right now based on, like, the enemies that are spawning in. Right. Um, And then because uh, you're finding it out as you go along, it makes it really interesting because you'll trigger one of the meters and have no idea why you did it and so then there's a lot of uh fun experimentation in like just exper like doing weird shit in the game mm-hmm. to try and get one of them to trigger and then to try and figure out what exactly uh triggered it so that you can repeat it um and and try and continue up the upgrade path so that's like as you become more familiar with just I, I, the general flow of the systems you're also becoming more familiar with um Sort of like the depth that comes from the upgrade system. Yeah, I feel like I've played a bunch of top-down shooters that are like very straightforward in terms of what their progression is or like, right. oh, it's a power-up I pick up, like Crimson Land or something like that. And it's neat that this sounds – this sounds like there's like a little – there's some like – not secrets necessarily, but like I guess it's a little bit like secrets to, to, to yeah. kind of stumble into. And I like that. That sounds cool. It's, sounds- it's, a, it's a neat game. Yeah, it's from Raw Fury and they kind of haven't made anything – they made pub- Honor and Kingdom. They're publishing. And, sorry, yeah, right? they're, they're okay. like a tiny okay. indie publisher. Well, yeah, uh, Kingdom, so really cool strategy game. Yeah. I know Rob and you both have talked about that at length, right? Yeah. Um, I, I have like a it. weird relationship with Kingdom, but it consumed about 40 hours of my life uh, that, that I mm. mostly didn't regret. Rob, <laughs> that's, I never heard a person write a, say a Steam review out loud, but that's like <laughs> sure 40 did. hours. I have a weird relationship with this game. That's it. Well, it was it was forty hours out of like seventy. That's oh. that's where things went wrong. I okay. see. I see. I see. So you needed to put another thirty in to like win, or you needed to. It's really it, at least at launch, it was really difficult to win Kingdom, and mm-hmm. it was yeah. like Kingdom was like yo. You just need to fling everything you've got at this like unkillable boss for hours, mm-hmm. and it's possible that the level layout might just like mostly make that impossible. Uh, at which point, you're just gonna have to start over again and, and try I, again. I will say that I like the name Kingdom a lot. For you, I played Kingdom. Kingdom is cool. I didn't beat it. I, I probably put five hours into it, not forty. Um, but I love, I love your phrase of like, in order to win Kingdom. It makes it sound like a game that was played by kingdom. by kings and queens and yes. like or monks or something. <laughs> yes. I love it. It's really so I'm like, like, like game of like, it, it, to, to win kingdom, you must yes. send wave after wave of bullshit. It's like saying read law, right? You know, yes. like it's a very British way of saying you yes. studied something. I've read Rock law. Also, I think had a pretty well received point and click adventure game. Did they? Uh, I know Goner was pretty rad. Goner is really cool, like um, um, action platformer, really beautiful, yeah. really like, like almost like um, 
what if crayons could glow in the dark and you yeah. drew them on a black background? Like it's like space funeral spelunky. Y- yeah, yeah. ish. Kathy Rain is also I awesome. Kathy Rain. Yeah, What's that's the, yeah, the adventure a, game. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, so briefly, I, I can I spin this out a little bit, which is yeah, that later this week we're going to do like a pre E three podcast, and we're going to talk about what we expect to see from from companies like Sony, Nintendo, and and Microsoft, and Activision, all these big companies. What do we expect from independent games and small games from E3 this year? Because over the last like three or four or five or six years, there's been this steady increase in the place that independent games have as not necessarily, not necessarily showstoppers, but secret favorites or, or eye catchers. You know, you think about yeah. something like Cuphead, which still isn't out yet. Still, um, still like, an indie favorite at E3. Totally, yeah. like one of those things. that's like, oh man, or Below, which still isn't out yet. Yeah, but like every but, year, granted, at least like Below like went away. Like they they they, they right. like, published a blog post and said like we don't know when this is going to ship. Right. we'll come back when we've got more to say. <laughs> so like, what do we want to see Fair. from? Because not, not because this shouldn't be part of that conversation later, like this week, but we have a lot to talk about as part of that conversation and limited amount of time. So let's use this little moment right now that we've stumbled into to talk about independent. Independent games at E3. Like, did, did people have thoughts about the state of what indie indie is at this point? I mean, it's consistently the one of the only parts of the sort of big publishers, you know, splash reels that I get excited about mm. at this point. Is like, oh, that looks colorful. That right. looks interesting. Right. You know, when you see something uh, like a cuphead or a below a, or something. What's the last you time know? one of these is one of the things that's been like part of a showcase? That's been like this is an indie. This is we support indies here at company, <laughs> and then like they turn back, and then there's like indies or the other thing, which is like the Ubisoft thing of like we make games of all sizes. Here's our take on what an indie game looks 30 like. Thirty seconds, <laughs> right? Um, Ubi art games. Yeah. Uh, when's the last time that like one of those has really hit? Like indie art, like or Ubi arts did. Uh, Grow Home, which I loved. Yeah, obviously. I love that game. Well, what else? The, that that, the that little war game. game they did was very good. Yeah. Oh, what Valiant was it called? Hearts. Valiant Hearts. Valiant Hearts. That was great. Yeah. So I love Yubi that game. is actually hitting it on these small yeah, game for things. Real. Um, but what about the other ones? Like, what have, have there been other big successes? I got that excited have come about out of? Uh, where the water meets wine. Is that what it's called? Where, yeah, where, where the, the water, water comes from. Full wine? disclosure: I wrote for that game, so I can't oh, well. say anything good or bad. I can't. I guess we can't talk about that then. No. But what was that at? What show was that on? Was that like micro- was I couldn't that- tell you exactly which okay. publisher's thing. I just know, like, oh, a thing that piques my interest. Right. I get excited about this right. thing. I see certain colors. I see certain signifiers that I know are meant to be exciting to me. Yeah. And I get excited about them. Like, I'm just trying to think of, like, like <laughs> yeah, it's good to know yourself, Danielle. You no. Know? I feel like I'm waiting for one of those, the ones that we just mentioned, Cuphead or Below, or, like, Yar- what was Yarny? What was the Yarny game that EA made? Was that just Wasn't called it Yarny? Just Yarny? All I remember was that article, Fuck Yarny. That's literally yeah. the only thing. That's all I remember, about. too. Burn in Hell Yarny, I think. It, no, it was, was like Unravel. Unravel. That's the name of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, AKA Burn in Hell Yarny. Like, the sequel. Yeah. I don't know. Like, y- y'all have covered games for a long time, but I just kind of generally want to know where you, what you feel about independent games being at E3 and what their place ought to be at this point and whether or not that show gives them the space they need to actually find an audience. Well, I, th- I think you know one of the you know many reasons that uh, Sony's seen so much success relative to Microsoft um, in you know sort of this, this sort of console cycle uh, is like you really felt at their press conferences that they gave like if not equal like uh, relatively equal uh, presence to independent developers and were celebrating those games and were putting them right alongside your Uncharted's and Last of Us and, and games like that and that it's 
like when those things appear at those big moments, these big, you know, uh, bombastic productions in which, like, it's one of the few times when you have, like, the CNNs of the world sort of turning right. their eyes to games. Like, it's, it's uh, in some ways, a projection of values for the platform holders and what they consider important. So it's like if this one, this one, this massive event um, that you have all, all the eyes on you, like, if you're taking time to highlight these smaller games, like, it mm-hmm. says something about you and the values you're trying to sort of instill or project about your platform. And I think Sony very successfully did that with a lot of independent developers for, for years in a way that Microsoft, I'm not saying they ignored them, well, the, but, right. was, but Sony was able to capitalize that on in a way that was very successful both for their image and I think also reflected their policies for the kinds of games they were signing up and trying to, to make you know a, a very important part of the, the PlayStation platform. On the flip side, it's also like really encouraging to see you know last year uh, at Microsoft's press conference they had Steve Gaynor on stage to right. talk yeah, about right. his new game. It's like that's like he's there because Gone Home was a big success, um, uh, especially relative to its size. Um, Microsoft took notice and said we're going to put this next guy's this guy's next project, his team's next project, uh, up on stage alongside a new Call of Duty, and like that's important. Like that's mm-hmm. that's that's meaningful, um, even if sometimes it's just you know uh, words as opposed to like a, you know actual practice with policy. Like yeah. that that makes me happy to think that and, and to see that those games are being put up there is like this is also impo- you know capital i important right I, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see if that there's actual material like uh effect from putting someone like that on stage when that game drops like there are going to be people who know what tacoma is because they saw it on an e3 presser that right. they would not have seen otherwise yeah rob you look like you had a thing well i think like a game like tacoma is kind of it's in, it's in, as my grandfather would have said, it's in the catbird seat. Uh, when, it, when it comes what? to, look, it's something my grandfather said. <laughs> oh, okay. It's in an advantageous position. It's about The Last Guardian. Uh, can I? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Right. The Last Guardian was, re- no, was in it. development when your grandfather was a young man. No, I understand. I put it all together. Wait, was your grandfather the little boy from yes. The Last Guardian? He was, he he was exactly. <gasps> yes. Oh, okay. Sadly, sadly, Grandpa passed before The Last Guardian came out. But then again, oh, lots no. of people passed before The Last Guardian came out. <laughs> uh, Jesus, Rob. <laughs> Tell me more Enti- about the entire generations suit. were consumed before uh, the Last Guardian was released. Oh my God. How many uh, wars? Do we, now I'm curious. Uh, when was the Last Guardian? Okay, I'm not. Yeah, gonna... I think it was announced in 1939. Okay, um, <laughs> and it was going to be the hit of the 1940 World's Fair. Yeah, right. Of it course, just kept, it just kept slipping. Uh, uh, but, they had to go no, to a new think, platform. So you know, I think, but with, with a game like Tacoma. It's like that's 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 a big indie, right? That's like the the AAA yes. of indies. I think so. Like taking a publisher like a Raw Fury, which I think is maybe going trying to go in a little bit of a devolver direction in sure. terms of like uh, a branding exercise. I think the the problem a lot of indies are facing is that there's this in, incredible glut of games hitting Steam, and so now the publisher's role seems to have shifted a little bit uh, in that it almost feels like. Publishers are being they're they're doing they're fulfilling their traditional role of promotion and, and marketing, but it also kind of feels like there's an element of curation happening with some of these like indie publishers where sure. like if a game comes to you from one of these uh, publishers, somehow you get a sense that it has this kind of identity, right? It's going to be this kind of game or this kind of like production value. It's not quite like Nintendo seal of quality, but it's it's something that. It, 
these indie publishers are necessary to help a lot of the games that they're publishing stand out from a market that has basically become chaos. And they theoretically actually provide service, too, in terms of QA testing and marketing support and, like, helping give feedback on some basic design stuff. That's not nothing. Like, when I talk to people who do that sort of work for independent developers, you can see what benefits come from that sort of, of publishing relationship. And I say that as someone who also really values the rough edges of work that comes from a place that has no publisher support. Like, so, so you know, I think that if you're making a commercial game, I hope that we see more of those small publishers in this space yes. who, who are really talented at providing that sort of help and service. Um, Shout uh, us to Adult Swim on this Adult Swim has done great stuff in that well. space. Totally, it's, totally. Yeah, uh, good. So, yeah. So, I, and my other thing here with indie games this year, indie games, quote, I'm just imagine I always put scare quotes around indie games because I know it's a contested like term. Yes. I know that it's like constant. Independently independent developed video, video games. games independently I mean, all, developed. Yeah, always remember that Valve is an indie. Right. So it's right. like... Right. So no, it's a useless like, term in some ways. <laughs> right. It's why, you know, it's useless by, like, a specific definition. It's more about sort of, like, describing from yes. a style approach. Like, it's, it's an There's imperfect definition. Or a smaller team, it's maybe. A relation, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's a term that we use in relation to something else, yes. which is publishers who publish dozens of games every year or whatever, yes. right? Yes, yes. Um, or platform holders or whatever. I'd, I'd argue, argue that maybe Steam is a platform holder at this point. Anyway. Um, yeah. I... I'm curious what we what VR looks like coming out of E3 this year for a similar reason, which is like a lot of small developers have thrown their money and also some VC money into VR, oh, sure chasing yeah. chasing being the hit, being the one that makes someone finally go out there and drop eight hundred dollars on a Vive and move and Vive controllers and blah blah blah. And I'm really curious to see how many how many of those are on the floor. Um, I know that, that there are definitely people who've reached out for us for meetings and some people who showed up at pre-E3 week. I know, you know, uh, Oculus had some stuff to show off at the pre-E3 week. So I, I don't know. They don't know, have a booth, like, though. No. Mm-hmm. They're doing behind-closed-door stuff. Yeah, but I think there, it's – That's it's, a difference. It yeah. says something about how the first rough, uh, roughly a year has gone about VR that they don't have a booth. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I'm curious yeah. – I'm definitely curious to see what um, – if Sony has just been sitting on a bunch of VR games or, you know, this E3, I think, for VR, especially PlayStation VR, is sort of like the litmus test of, like, is this just like every other accessory Sony has ever <laughs> produced in which it gets, like, roughly 12 months of support before it sort of it just kind of disappears into the ether? Yeah. Because um, their first original game post-launch, Farpoint, which is a game that I intended to write about because I thought, oh, like, I'm super into VR and it's a sci-fi game and they built this whole gun accessory for it like it's right not good like it was, right and they're charging near full price for it um i think 50 dollars, and it is not a 50 dollar video game um and <laughs> and that and that's I, i'm it makes me nervous because like what was exciting about sony getting into that that space of like committing to vr was like i loved all the smaller independent stuff that was being made and still love all that stuff but the prospect of like Resident Evil 7s like that's I wanted more of those like yeah. giant resource intensive t- big art teams doing like just wild stuff in VR and RE7 was this really amazing opening gambit for that and Capcom really committed to it and did a, a really great job with it but like I like I can't think of was on the horizon 
that is anything similar to that, and it's not going to shock me if Resident Evil 8, whatever it turns out to be, yeah. decided not to do that because I just I don't know... If it was worth that yeah. investment. Yeah. It's Horizon, actually. Next on the Horizon, Horizon... Oh, Horizon Zero <laughs> VR. Vero Dawn. Vero Dawn. Vero yeah. Dawn. It's a strange pick, let me yes. tell you. Um, <laughs> Vero Beach. What's going on besides E3? Because like, my head, my brain space right now is like... E3 booking and figuring out like media plans with production and figuring out which which you know things we're gonna when we're gonna shoot our little like back and forth about hey you played a game with robot dinosaurs in it what's what was that like Patrick or, or whatever the games are this year I don't know what games are uh, but what else is happening besides E3 because that's where my head is completely at Monument well, Valley Two came out today Monument Valley Sorry. Two okay it's very exciting how's that going I started it it's really beautiful and good and the only main difference that I can tell so far from like. 30 minutes with it, is that you play as two little characters oh. to do all your little twisty puzzles. Wait, is it Monument Valley, comma, T-O-O? Like, Monument Valley, two. Two. I think it's, uh, it's just a number Roman numeral two. Roman numeral? I could numeral. be wrong. Not even Arabic here, we numeral. can We can check, actually. I've got this great app. live right I've got, now I've got to a good iOS. app right here. No, just two. Monument two. <laughs> well, go to the title screen. I don't I, care well, what that's the not app the title, title screen. is. That's a two. That's a two. That's a two. Just the numeral. It's like stairs that yeah, look like a two. Numeral two. All right, numeral two. How is what's tell me about? I, if you I didn't play the first game, something. Yeah, I didn't play the first game. Oh, when the first game came out, I didn't have a smartphone. Okay, tell me about fair. Tell me about Monument Valley. So it's a it's a very chill and very pretty puzzle game. Is it going to be in House of Cards again? Is it going to be Hearts of Cards in again? House of Cards again? There's oh. like a whole House of oh. Cards episode about the first Monument. Valley. I actually I don't I don't have that information. Okay. Although Robin Wright was great in Wonder Woman. But anyway, okay. that was my connection today. Did you like that one? Uh-huh. All right, Monument Valley is a very <laughs> chill and beautiful puzzle game in 3D space where you are controlling a character and you're tapping. Mm-hmm. And you are sort of moving the scenery around, uh, sort of M.C. Escher-like weird staircases that are coming from impossible angles and so on and so forth. And you twist them around so that your little character has a path to the end. Mm-hmm. There's other twists on it, but generally that's how it works. And this is a continuation of that beautiful and chill and nice little game. Cool. Well, maybe I'll check it I, out. It's pretty I cool. Was, I was bummed because I missed like the expansion. They sold for uh, a, a day. A, oh. Yes, yes. It's like the um, red. It was part of raising money for, like, Apple does a thing every year for... Yeah. AIDS awareness awareness or something like that. And uh, they only sold it for a day. I think it was only like a level or two. It wasn't a whole lot. But uh, yeah, Monument Valley is, yeah, it's like nothing revelatory. It's just really nice and pleasant and enjoyable. And I... I'm very excited that there is there is a second one. I'm 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 going to save it for uh, my upcoming flights, but I'm I'm definitely ah, good. Uh, psyched to to check it out. Someone in chat just told me that Agario is in House of Cards also. Really? That game about being a little a little the circle that thing? eats bigger circles yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. a big multiplayer thing. It was like very big with kids last year with the kids. It was a 20 a 2016's spinners uh, of Frank 20- Underwood. I don't know. Weird. Okay. Oh, that's I wonder cool. what I wonder what game will be in the next season of House of Cards. Uh, Horizon Vero Dawn. I have I have an update. Oh shit. Okay. So um, one of the uh, people who works for the publisher on Tormentor X Punisher are. Does this game have a goatee reference on purpose? Uh, the uh, gate. That, that, uh, does it have a goatee? Does it have a goatee reference? On purpose, reference gate? On, gate. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh, people are talking about it. Uh, um, <laughs> Live from the streets, Patrick Klepik. So, the, the, well, yeah, one of the people who works for the publisher uh, said, hey, like, thanks for writing up um, this uh, nice write-up about our game. But he's referring to the tweet from Waypoint and not my tweet. So he does not 
didn't get into addressing oh. like, the, the central question, and so I responded and said, "Classic David, dodge." Good. Yeah, David, is that a Goatsy reference? And like, just I needed to just get to the point. use his I first name. That's a tactic yep. that you can David. get right into him. And say he, their he, name. He replied, and David said, uh, "I asked at one of the developers the very same thing, and he has denied it since day one." And then I responded to both of them and said, "Send me a fucking email. We are going to figure out." We're going to get to the bottom of this. And so they're, they're going, and they faved it. So I'm pretty sure that means they're going to send me an That's email. That's serious. Unbelievable. Oh, my God. Breaking right. news. Breaking news. Breaking scoops. You're on the, we can't use scoops in this one. <laughs> no. This one this context. One but I think it might be breaking scoops. Did you? No, it is. Uh, it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just imagining works. that scene in All the President's Men where it's like, you got Patrick <laughs> on the phone being like, if this is a Goatsy reference. Say nothing Say for ten <laughs> seconds. Do you understand? Like, so is this a Goatsy reference? Long pause. He's like, I've got it. All right, uh-huh. going to the presses. It's Goatsy. <laughs> Confirmed. <laughs> the headline's gonna be report colon oh. <laughs> <Report>. game. <laughs> I think a semicolon is more appropriate, actually. Oh, to be honest oh, with you, Bob. Oh. We're all gonna J- get fired. Jason Robards comes storming into the uh, newsroom. God damn it, that has nothing to do with Goatsy. Rizavi says uh, he really wants you to get to the bottom of it. He really wants to, you to get to the I'm bottom. Tr- I'm trying to get to the bottom. Oh, boy. All right. Huh. We should go to the... We should go to... Oh, you want to put your hands in the question bucket? Oh, <laughs> I just want to... Deep throat's like, I was at a party with Haldeman. And he said, watch how far I can stretch this thing. The trick is that you don't care. <laughs> it's Mondays, which means we skim from the top of the question bucket instead of digging deep yeah. into the rip, bucket. Rip from the top? Okay. We're going to go. I tore my headphones into the thing by accident. This one comes in from Dash from Texas who says, hey, Waypoint uh, people, what's your workflow like? (laughs) Well, today's a hell of a day to ask that. What programs do you use and what kind of order do you put your work in when writing a piece? Do you write things down on a million different pieces of sticky notes and paste them around your room with pictures a la Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? (laughs) Is that supposed to be italicized or underlined? I don't always recall what I'm supposed to do with titles. Uh, Or do you have everything digitally across multiple Word documents or use OneNote or what? I wrote a 60-page thesis for my college major uh, and had 120 Word documents. Sorry, 120 Word documents where I would write something that opened another document to rewrite. And I'm curious what someone in a less absurd situation might do. Patrick, how are you going to get to the bottom of this? Are you, what sort of what sort of note taking are you using in the Goatsy? Uh, Goatsy. Well, sorry, it was not just Goatsy Gate. It's I don't think that they made Goatsy for real Gate or some bullshit. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah. So I have actually spent. Uh, I, I probably I need to sit down. It's been long enough that I need to reexamine uh, my process. So for most mm. stories, it, they're pretty simple. It's like interview, either through email. Or a transcript that I've yeah. uh, written up in a in a in a in, a, in this case a, a Google Docs document because we're often because uh, we all, all work together um, having a shared document is is easier there for editing purposes. Um, but um, I usually I just have you know one document. I have two monitors on my desk, so I have one document on my left monitor and one document on the right. And the left is the transcript and uh, or the email exchange, and the right is um, you know what. I'm 
hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Writing and that, that works pretty easily for stuff that is like relatively simple and you're not sifting through stuff. But the, the thing that I probably need to look into and I haven't done it as much is to actually – there is like software that is like better yeah. at like dealing with like tons of information from multiple sources rather than like having to tab through all of them. Um, and I've been told about that in the past, but uh, it would definitely improve uh, uh, my personal process. And I do have a no- I have a, no- a regular notebook that uh, I use for when I'm playing games or I'm in an interview. Um, even though I could do a lot of that stuff digitally on my phone, like I mm. one, I it brings me great pleasure to like look at the stacks of notebooks I have like in my closet and like just to as a uh, sort of like a historical document of things I was thinking about or working on, you know, years and years and years ago. Um, and then also there is just something about the permanence of writing it down that it tends to stick in my mind uh, better than um, if I'm right tapping down a phone or a laptop. Sure. So it's like if it's not something I need to like turn around very quickly for some breaking news story, which is not really the case with stuff we do at Waypoint, like I, I tend to prefer using a, a notebook for sort of getting down getting your I, your loose ideas yeah, yeah yeah totally how about you rob what's your what's your process look like oh uh, well uh so when i'm doing like really research intensive stuff like i will say something like scrivener is a godsend yeah. i wish I, I wish i'd had scrivener when i wrote my uh senior thesis in college <laughs> uh as opposed to carrying bundles of index cards around everywhere for can each you, chapter can you explain that I was what that is yeah yeah can you talk a little bit about how that works yeah, so Scrivener basically, uh, it's you know it, it is sort of a word processing e- editing uh, program, but it's also meant for like working writers doing really uh, research intensive stuff, so that you can like append to any section of what you're writing um, all the secondary materials uh, that you're going to need, and so Scrivener is really good at in the main like frame you're just typing your document, but then you've got uh, basically like uh, tons of panels that you can open up and unfold into sort of your research materials, right? So you can have uh, basically in another, in another tab, uh, you know, threaded groups of research materials uh, that are relevant to the exact thing you're writing. So like you have PDFs you can, of books that you're referencing or uh, uh, downloaded text from a, a web story that you're quoting from or uh, audio files, like all sorts of stuff that you just have in the sidebar connected to the sections that you want to actually – like you might need to reference them, you know? And it makes it really handy to treat the stuff modularly. Like so – OK. So a, a really frustrating thing when you're working on something long is eventually you realize that a particularly useful quote or section is in the wrong place or yeah. it needs to be put somewhere else. Uh, and it's really easy in the process of editing just to delete that stuff and then you'd sort of need to go and like, gather the materials again and rewrite it in a different section because it's, it's more – like let's say it's more involved than just copy-paste. Uh, it's really easy in something like Scrivener to have sort of the relevant – uh, argument sort of set aside outside the main document with the connected resources, uh, and all that lives apart from the thing you're actually writing. 
And so it makes it really easy to uh, get that 10,000-foot view of the thing you're writing as opposed to the way you can get lost in line edits. It is like the nerdiest shit, but like thinking about Scrivener makes me miss writing long, long, long things because I like the process. I like the process of writing. Like I love – I you know – Patrick has said a thing over and over again, which is like a, a project of his this year is to turn me into a blogger. Yep. Uh, he wants me to just write as quick, write quick takes, Austin. Like you I'm have an idea, to break you. You're gonna break my stupid like 1500 minimum word count. I, I write shorter <laughs> things than that these days, but uh, I do I do have a deep joy in writing really long things. Yeah. I haven't done it really since uh, I I left my PhD program, where I was writing you know 30, 40, 50, Very, 60 page. Yes papers and essays and research projects and, and all that sort of stuff. And there is something you get out of the out of like laying something like that out and like wrapping your head around a really complex question and not having to do the thing that you do in six hundred words or two thousand words, which is you have to say, eh, is that true? Mm. I can't address it here. I don't have the word count. I have to bracket it off and pretend that it's that it's settled, even though it's super not settled. Yeah. I'm just going to write indie games. I don't have time to do <laughs> ten pages about what an indie game is and what the history of the term indie games is. But in an academic setting, you can totally do that. Nice. Or, or in like a really long-form journalism sense, right? You can say, oh, let's actually – the Halo oral history is a really good example of this. Let's really get into what happened with some of the Halo side projects and the Halo movies and the people. Peter Jackson game that was supposed to happen. You don't have to throw that stuff out. You're, you're, it's a big project. You can spend the time laying all that out, which can give your reader that 10,000-foot view that you normally can't give them in, in 200 or, or 2,000 words or whatever, right? Um, so, yeah, that's all. All I want to say is, Rob, you talking about Scrivener has made me want to do it's a longer project. Oh, I, um, like, I stopped using Scrivener when I was doing shorter pieces because it was like, oh, right. man, like time to take my Ferrari – to the grocery <laughs> store that's one yeah. mile away. <laughs> totally. It's important. Scrivener is to even for shorter pieces. I uh, I haven't used it in a long time, but when I when I did mess around with it, like it was useful for like sometimes you'll be writing a piece and you hit some writer's block, you're not quite yeah. sure how to form something, and so you'll skip to like I'll like work out like something that's for three fourths through the piece that I haven't gotten quite there yet. But I don't want to have that paragraph just sitting there. Yeah. So you can, like, put it to the side. It's like, here are elements of the piece that I'm going to bring back into the piece instead of, like, hitting enter 50 times to, like, shove it away. And so just be able to, like, put material aside that is relative or to related to the Or jamming it in an email useful. draft. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the, that's the yeah. other thing. Where, like, all the stuff that's where I'm like, thing. oh, that's really good. I don't want to lose that. Or, or a scrap yeah, saves. Yeah. 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 I uh, I am now thinking about using Scrivener to do tabletop role-playing game prep because I, I'm thinking about the ways in which it would help me organize a bunch of stuff, and that sounds really good. Anyway, Danielle, how about you? What about, what's, yeah. your, what's your process? Especially, so. I'm, I'm curious because you've also done, not for us so much, but in the past I've done lots of video work. Yeah, tons I'm of curious like, how you organize like your materials around that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, that's what I have my sort of formal training in, so I was right. always taught. like So I use Premiere uh, for any video or audio stuff, even if I'm doing audio stuff. Uh, I still use Premiere and audition to do like all the cleanup stuff and uh, I was always taught like bins for everything bins 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 mm. bins within bins that, organize the shit out of everything is it bin like a bucket it's a bucket okay yeah, you could call it you could think of it as as the bucket for video okay and all different art assets and uh, naming everything like incredibly incredibly detailed names when you have like video clips when you're importing those into a project mm-hmm. saying like uh, you know a cam this or like this shot or this is yeah. what happens here obviously with games it's more like Gameplay of Lara Croft right, jumping off a cliff, whatever. Like I actually, <laughs> I actually like put like a, a descriptor for like the most interesting action sure. of that clip, that sort of thing. So yeah, just being so 
completely anal about well yeah there you go oh my god all right can't escape you can't escape <laughs> i guess we should we do the next escape. question oh well, yeah i use google docs i think of phrases and write them down in the google docs and then i think of different phrases and write them down yeah. and then that's like what my 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 lifestyle has now allowed but that's yeah. my answer basically yeah. lots of google docs um i throw a lot of stuff out i throw a lot of stuff out yeah. is like the most important lesson is like anything you read of mine that's 1,500 words was once 3,000 words and 1,500 words of it's just gone because it was not You worth. snipped it and trimmed it down to mm-hmm. its most crystallized Or just form. cut it. Just like, get the fuck out of like, here, final good, 600 words. Forever. Peace. Yeah. Um, that's always my, my number one piece of advice. All right, next question. A lot of these questions are like professional or like built around like our work processes or like stuff like that. So I'm just going to read this next one. This yeah. comes from Hunter. After two years pursuing a major, I ended up uh, hating – sorry. I ended up uh, hating uh, – mm, mm, I ended up at a school I ended up hating. There we go. Uh, I've decided to take a year off and reassess everything and, and try to be a writer. My question is a two-parter. How did the writers of Waypoint improve their skills as writers besides writing? And did anybody at Waypoint take a year off of school? I did. I dropped out of grad school twice now, I guess. Right. So the first time was when I was in my master's program. My first master's program in philosophy dropped out like before I even really started. Second time now. Second time, PhD program, 6000 uh, semester. I'm not paying $6,000 a semester for right. not even being on that campus and yeah. not having time to work on my dissertation. Bye. I, I didn't stop, but I did transfer during grad school, which is an unheard of yeah, thing. You like, can't nobody's do ever that. fucking heard of that. So. That's a thing people don't yeah. know. If you're thinking about going to grad school, <laughs> you have to understand going to grad school is not like going to undergrad, yeah. where it's just basically the same thing everywhere. Every grad school has like weird requirements for graduating where they're like, yeah. they need you to have taken these three specific everything, courses. Pretty much everything there. Only like six of my 40-something credits transferred. So right. I basically had to start over from scratch. So do research on wherever you're going. Not exactly. That you Not that you didn't. No, I, I, I did. It was just, you know, a yeah. disaster. But it it's happens. fine. It, it happens. happens. Um, so yeah, what? how did you, how have you become a better writer over the years? Oh, God. Well, just, you know, the thing everybody says is always do it every day, which I know and you already know. This yeah. person knows that. Uh, but that is important to reiterate. And also, uh, read a fuckload of stuff that is not like the stuff you want to write. What's an example of that for you? So if you're if you want to be a good critic, you should read a lot of fiction. You should read right. a lot of things that are not just criticism. Like do do like a an 80/20. Like definitely mm-hmm. read the type of thing that you want to be writing in so you can be conversant, but always 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 look outside of that so that yeah. you are not a frankly boring person who right. is always kind of writing the same exact things everybody else is, is writing. there are there examples of like specific things you read as writers that helped push you to be a better writer sports uh, sports sports criticism sports, <laughs> Mostly sports, sports journalism stuff. is actually a really great answer actually yeah. like i know i know um I learned how to use a semicolon by just reading how other people used it. For some reason, that didn't like solidify in actual mm. school. Like, like if you asked me the mechanics of using a semicolon, I, I hadn't picked it up, so I never used it, which was inelegant because it is a useful tool. But then I just read enough that I intuitively picked up, like, oh, I get, okay, I get how this sentence construction mm-hmm. works. And it was like through reading that I intuit how a semicolon works and like you pick up on stuff like that by yeah. reading a lot of like good writers and reporters is that you pick you you actually like unconsciously pick up on techniques or consciously in that in that case like pick up on techniques that um you'll end up using even if you don't end up realizing that you mm-hmm. are using it 
Um, yeah, I would echo a lot of what Danielle said. Like, my advice to a lot of people is usually, like, if you want to write, write video games, like, go read film criticism. Like, Please, yeah. It is re- really important, um, especially just because if we're talking in the uh, in video games specifically. Like, it's just so young, and criticism is so young in uh, – and reporting is so young in video games. There's just not a lot that's good. Um, and, and there's a lot, whereas in, in other mediums, there's like a long history of like really interesting criticism, reporting and analysis that like, that gives you often like games writing, reporting is, is, is more like uh, aspirational and it is getting better and more interesting and more diverse. Whereas, uh, other mediums have more of that already. And so it's, it's often worth looking to that to get a sense of like what you'd like to do to make, you know, that side in video games better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you, Rob? So has there been anything that's like this shaped your writing in a specific way or helped push you? Uh, so, I mean, uh, echoing everything you guys said, uh, read a lot. Definitely recommend read sports journalism and sports reporting. Yeah. Um, weird thing, like David Halberstam, one of my favorite historians, uh, it's, it's good to look at him because the interesting thing that David Halberstam does throughout his career is he alternates between like business stories, political and military history, and then really detailed sports stories, and that's mm-hmm. like that's his oeuvre. And there's a, there are threads connecting it, but I think the really cool thing about looking at his work is the skills he brought to one exercise. He definitely then brought to the next, and all those skills were, were useful. Uh, it's it's worth looking at. I also got a lot of really good instruction in school. Like I mean, I had right, I sure. found a couple professors who went to a small liberal arts school. Uh, so I wasn't just having a TA uh, mm-hmm. sort of grading my paper along with like 400. Uh, I would have a couple professors uh, who really sort of took me under wing and really just went hammer and tongs on a lot of the drafts I sent in. And it, I got beat up a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also forced me to really confront all those times you think you're making a cogent argument and you're being intellectually honest and, and clever – it sometimes helps to have someone point out to you that, like, oh, no, you completely failed to do that. Uh, <laughs> here, are the, here are the seams. Here are the things you try to paper over, and here's where it actually breaks down. That's actually a huge one, is, like, actually find people who will read your stuff and push back on it. Um, I, one of the things I'll, I can say this now is, like, when I think about my early time or kind of, like, my middle career as a critic, like, when I kind of tried it again after doing some grad school no. – um, there were definitely people who I had really antagonistic relationships with in the critical sphere of, of games like essaying, right? Like games criticism is filled with like lots of little petty beefs um, sure. over attention because they're just like when you're young and trying to get attention for it, there isn't a lot to go around. And so for instance, like who appears in a in a Patrick Klepik worth reading column like can start some weird – Quiet beefs that are really strange. <laughs> that, I sure, I sure um, remember some of that. Yeah, but some that of the push. Thing? Oh yeah, it dog. Was a thing. When it's like three people wrote about the same thing, but oh, Austin the got one picked. picked. Ah. Or, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And we're like, we didn't wow. know each other at the time, but yeah, totally. No. You're a but that's the sort maker, of thing where it's like, okay, who, wow. which take becomes the take that gets passed around? Right. Multiple yes, people are trying to tackle happens. a thing. Yeah. Um. And so, but in retrospect, a lot of those relationships, like. I'm not like here to be like rah rah competition is the best way to become a good whatever. But having people who would read my work critically and almost antagonistically forced me to step up my game. It's why I have not. It's why I write seriously about race and I write seriously about race mm-hmm. because I need my shit to be watertight. Like I can't 
<laughs> yep. Sorry. Right. We're back. Oh, yeah. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the other one I want to say is um, is hip hop. That's the other one I want to say. Um, hip hop is something that has like given me a great understanding of cadence. And a lot of uh, not just cadence, right? Like uh, poetry is the other one here, right? Like, yeah. but but um, but hip hop specifically has been like, how do I say something that impresses people with words they understand, right? I, I, I can I can call someone unctuous all day, and like there is a sort of reader who would be happy to hear me describe some asshole, describe some describe someone who I don't like as unctuous. And I'm happy to impress them when I use <laughs> words that are like – that show some deep vocabulary, that sure. reference that I've read a lot. What does um, obnoxious mean? Uh, it's like uh, – Obnoxious. Obnoxious, kind of. like mm. elitist, stuck up. Simpering. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little brown nosing. Simpering is a great yeah. word. But like I like those words. I love it when someone says simpering. But what hip-hop reminded me of is like, oh, no, most people have a very familiar vocabulary that they use every day and yet like – when when you know Kendrick Lamar puts together a really powerful set of lyrics, there is an emotional response that is like very powerful that is stronger than some deep pull, like than some deep vocabulary right. Right. like lesson, right? Um, and so like that's a big one. The other thing is just like the other thing that hip hop taught me was just the ways in which you can change up your flow to to make. A uh, something punch really hard. There's this piece. This is not about hip hop at all. This is from an American, like a literary writer named <laughs> Gary Provost called. Um, uh, this Gary's not a rapper. Not a rapper. Gary Provost, not a rapper. Right. Called this sentence has five words. And yeah. I, have you have you read this before? Are you familiar with this? This is like my favorite thing because it communicates poetically and with cadence what the task of writing well is. I'm just going to read it because it's not that long. Yeah. He writes. This sentence has five words. Here are five more words. Five-word sentences are fine, but several together become monotonous. Listen to what is happening. The writing is getting boring. The sound of it drones. It is like a stuck, it's like a stuck record. The ear demands some variety. Now listen. I vary the sentence length and I create music. Music. The writing sings. It has a pleasant rhythm, a lilt, a harmony. I use short sentences, and I use sentences of medium length. And sometimes, when I am certain the reader is rested, I will engage him with a sentence of considerable length, a sentence that burns with energy and builds with all the impetus of a crescendo, the roll of the drums, the crash of the cymbals, sounds that say, listen to this, it is important. So write with a combination of short, medium, and long sentences. Create a sound that pleases the reader's ear. Don't just write words, write music. And it's like, oh, right, that's the thing. That's the thing that, like, I stay up late trying to fucking do is, oh, this sentence doesn't sound right. And I often don't have the language to explain to somebody what our jobs are when <laughs> yeah. we say we write. But that's the part of the job is like, eh, the preposition's in the wrong place, but I can't quite say that. Like, I don't know it. And you just, like, bang your head against it. Yeah. One weird... Uh writing like tick slash technique that I have is that I often find uh, it's very easy to get too colorful and write too many words and like part of like maybe it's part of my habit is like doing a lot of sort of like bloggy posts but like one of the things I do is like if I go like three or four words over onto the next line like as a general rule I yeah. probably use too many words like in, in any given paragraph like in as part of an, ele an elegant way of like getting a phrase like a quick, or an yeah. idea out and so I will like if I don't, it depends on your monitor but like on my monitor and whatever monitor <laughs> I'm writing on 
on every almost every single line, unless there's no way I can make it work, I will remove words and rephrase things elsewhere to get that line to go back up and wow. and, and move it back. Because I find, like generally speaking, I could phrase something tighter. I could right. take out words, and so. I just presume every time that I've done that, and any time I have a line that goes over, I presume there's got to be a way I can make that better a and tighter, tighter. punchier. So, yeah, I've yeah. It's, I've always wondered if someone's like no one ever notices it, so I just assume it's like a monitor thing that like yours doesn't show up that way, right? Like right. it might actually go over the line on your monitor as opposed to right. mine, but on all of mine, like all of my stories, universally every time with like some only That's rare exceptions, really interesting. line up formally like across the board because um, I just use that as a technique to try and make my Keep writing. Keep yourself better. from saying like, uh, Far Cry 5 is a game in which, you know, that it tries to tackle the subjects of blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, just, yes. just, just focus in on that. Like, what's yes. Far Cry 5 do? Far Cry 5 tackles. It's not a game in which blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Far Cry 5 does a thing. Like, boom, hit it, move. And that's a hard thing that, that like, no, I took creative writing classes for years. I took English courses for years. No one ever fucking taught me how to do that necessarily outside of finding it in my own practice. Adverbs are another thing. Yeah, I defend adverbs. an adverb. I'm, I don't no, no, know. No, they're good. I, I, I once You're learned right. that, like, they're very good, but, like, pick, like, your three favorite ones mm. in a given piece. Like, like don't go overboard. Like, cut a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. don't overly trim, but, like, yeah, well, just take the little garden shears. Mm-hmm. You, maybe you didn't need that leaf right there. Right. My, my favorite it. thing on adverbs is uh, Stephen King and on writing where he's like, look, da- like adverbs are like dandelions. Like you see one in your yard and you're like, oh, that's really pretty. Look how, look how adorable that is. <laughs> exactly. But if you don't deal with that problem, if you, if you, de- if you start like well. letting too many adverbs <laughs> hang uh-huh. out, uh, eventually uh, your piece is going to be like fucking covered in them. Totally. I totally. I, in general, I like rules that are that have that sort of vagueness and blurriness, where yes. you can find your balance that helps you find your voice. That like the same way that like um, writing is not math. Right. Totally. <laughs> like there is a place in writing for passive voice. It's often, but but you better be fucking knowledgeable about when you're using it. You better yes. be like, I want to use passive voice here instead of like I stumbled into using passive voice because it was two a.m. when I was writing this and it just came out this way and <laughs> I left it there. Yeah. Can I talk about how much I just hate like whenever you see people being like, oh, don't use this word. This word is dead. Don't use like don't use this voice. Like this like passive voice is yeah. never tolerable. But look at all these passives. I cannot I think th- stand that stuff. Finish it. Well, no, because I can't. I think dead stuff. language is a thing. I think dead language is a thing because, like, I I think that there's stuff that has completely. I I don't use problematic. Problematic is dead language at this point. Yep. I, I have to be more specific than that. I don't evoke anything in anyone who reads problematic. I don't evoke anything in anyone who reads anything. Anybody who reads visceral. If I describe a game having visceral combat, it does not make them feel the way tell, ten years ago someone felt when they heard the word visceral in a game review. And so it's not. You're right. It's not bad. I'm not like never use it ever, ever, ever. But like, have know a what damn that, good reason. Have a damn good reason. Yeah. I'm with you with voice though. Voice or or st- like language is just like words is just the one for me. But but. I'm with you with voice. I think there's room. Do you have an example of something that, you, that people say is dead that you don't think is dead, Rob? No, I mean, but it's not. A, but it's not a question of of dead. I just, I just don't buy it. Like, I, I think the the thing is, like, problematic now for you needs to exist behind uh, glass. Like, you need to think about like when is problematic going to be relevant. Like, it's actually the word I, that I can that I'm searching for. And to use another word is to somehow misstate the situation. I think visceral right. is still a really useful word. The thing I don't, is, the thing that broke it. 
was that everyone everyone was calling things visceral that just that yeah. just weren't like totally. And a lot of times, like it was just it, you know there were a lot of hacky uses of visceral. But don't go around telling writers still finding their voice. Oh, I'm not telling other like, writers. That's, I'm telling writers. That's what I can't well, stand. I'm telling it when I'm editing them and I've read a sentence and they think it's a it's a it's a, a haymaker and it's a jab because they've said and unlike other games Hotline Miami's combat is visceral. Like no, fucking go to sleep. Go away. <laughs> like come back, like sleep on that, find replay that game, pretend that you haven't read the last 20 years of games criticism that uses the word visceral as shorthand for something else that you mean, which is like I, I don't know, like describe the actual experience to you and find something that's like a, a little bit more direct of what that thing is uh, and, and, and find something there. I definitely had a banned list when I was doing reviews editing and it was a very short list. Visceral was on there but it was only it was like if you're describing Viscera right, if you're Viscera, describing, right, if you're describing uh, uh, Viscera Actual clean up body de- parts detail. that have come out of a cavity <laughs> yes. that's fine. That's Viscera. That's, that's literal Viscera. viscera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you're yeah, and I'm fine with, it, with stuff that's like uh, a, a stretch that is, that is metaphor that is, that is analogy that's simile like if you're if you're using words that evoke a feeling in the reader that you intend to evoke, even if that word has been somehow made cliche, or if it's a word that they never hear, like it's a it's some comparison that you just never actually get. Um, but it's just like I don't know that. Or and there's some that are in the middle ground, which is like I can still I still have a hard time talking about controls in a way where I don't wind up saying that they're tight tight controls. But I've also heard that phrase a billion times. But I know what it means. So it's like it's in that middle it's zone. Right, but it is overused. Right, like totally. The, the word gameplay, which like both says something and says literally nothing. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. Totally. I, it's it's. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I mostly use this for myself. I'm not going out on Twitter and being like, "Don't read that person's reviews. They said visceral." Like, <laughs> fuck off, Austin. Don't do that. That's old Austin. That's read more Austin, and I've gotten away from that. All right. You know. So all right, all right. That's yeah. I mean, that's the thing that I actually didn't get to in that last episode when we talked about that analogy yeah. or that that story. And my life was like, as a as a writer, I was also that person, mm-hmm. and like getting away from that. And then figuring out how to, like, bring a little bit of it back in was how I ended up being, like, an okay writer, like, a writer people wanted to read and not just a writer who wrote like he wanted to be someone who people wanted to read. Right, right. All right. Be your best self. Be your best self. Find find your style. Yeah. So that's my advice for this person who wants to be a writer is, like, all the stuff we just said, mix it up, but then also ignore as much of it as you can and find the thing that's, like, that gets you to actually write. And also probably do something for money. Yeah. Isn't writing, but that gives you the, if you possibly can, gives you the brain space for writing. And also don't publish any, don't, hmm, for the most part, this is another one that's like not an absolute thing, but like don't let some guy who has a like gameblog.de like gameblog.goatsy. That goatsy. Gameblog. Yeah. Don't give gameblog.goatsy. Great news. Oh. I'm not going to read this email I just got because it's going to go on a story I'm going to write. But I got, I've got an answer. And and the answer was the designer on this game. He bolded the word honest in this. So you know he's spitting fucking truth. Patrick, say nothing. (laughs) Okay. Ten seconds. Honest is bolded. (laughs) Also is the answer and their explanation. Okay. We'll oh, wow. see that. So, can you put that up today? Can we turn this around? 
I know it's late. Today. Tomorrow. Fuck. Okay. All right, I already put morning. one article about Tormentor X Punisher today. Okay, fine. fine. We we point, I don't know if it can handle it. And a Yoko Taro interview. And a Yoko Taro interview, which you can go Patrick's read. Patrick's been busting his ass today. Waypoint.vice.com. Yeah. I was going to say something else, and I already lost it. It's okay. Fine. It's okay. Whatever it was, was not important. It was about jobs while also writing. don't fucking convince, don't let anybody convince you to not get paid. Goatsy blog. Don't let Goatsy blog, don't tell me, oh yeah, I get lots of readers. No, Goatsy blog does not get lots of readers. Not enough for you to not get paid. If they're running ads, if they're running ads, don't let them. Right. If it's somebody's tiny it journal that they're literally not running ads, they're totally. actually or not making zine, money. Or it's right. a, like that's uh, there are a there are thing, culture but... there are spaces in which that's fine. Yes. But I've seen too many writers get taken advantage of to work with people who don't who cannot benefit them in yes. in major ways. Well, Own your writing if you're going to do it for free. Also, unless the, it's the biggest site in the world. Yeah. I mean the the other issue is that even then. if money isn't changing hands, things can get weird. Uh, like yep. part yep. of that professional con- that relationship that professional contract is to keep things professional. And one of the things that is helpful if an editor is paying you is that they also get to say, fuck you, I'm paying you money for this. You're going to do do it this way. Yeah. Right. And also, if they're paying you, they are paying you, which means that they are invested in making sure that whatever you turn out is worth the money they're paying you. Yeah. And yes. they will give you their their resources and time to make you a better writer because otherwise they're wasting their money. Yeah. So Yes. I, even if it's, I'm not saying it needs to be uh, the most money of all time. Like I, when I first was starting, I was getting paid between twenty and fifty dollars for two thousand, three thousand word articles, which is not oh, enough so you money. You were Game Shark too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I wasn't there. I was another place that I that I love to death and yeah. and still recommend new writers to that doesn't have a huge freelancer budget, sure, right? Sure. So like, but but even that little bit, even that like, hey, here's enough money to order a pizza tonight is enough to to make that a professional it makes you a relationship. Professional writer. Yep, totally. Exactly. So so look for those places. There are lots of places that will pay you some amount of money, um, and and just. Uh, the second you feel someone is like, oh, you're doing it, but do it for the love of it. Like, bounce. That person is not there to help you. Um, they might think they are. They might be. They might be there to help you. They're not going to help you. I right. think that's an important distinction. Right. So, all right. I think it's going to do it for us. If you have questions, you can send them to us at gamingadvice.com. Uh, you find everything we do at waypointadvice.com, digitalpyramids.com, popliopals.com. Our IRC channel, waypointirc.goatsy.cx. That one's not real. That one's not real. But you can find us on Discord and on on Discourse, which is our form software. You can go to discourse.zone for that one and find a a link to our to our Discord chat, our fan chat, somewhere on the on the forms. Uh, What else? Uh, People can find us on Twitter, Twitter.com/slash/waypoint, Facebook.com/slash/waypointvice, YouTube.com/slash/waypointvice. Where can people find you, Danielle? Danielle R.I. on Twitter. Rob Zachney. At Rob Zachney. And Patrick Klepek. Like, find me spitting truth about Goatsy at Patrick Klepek on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> find me at Austin underscore Walker. As always, thanks to Bowen for letting us use his track. Miss you off the EP Pale Machine. Pale Machine. Pale Machine. Yes. Is that a good... Mm, Pale Machine. Pale Machine. You can find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Find me at Austin underscore Walker. That's going to do it for us on this Monday. I got to admit, when I tossed to you earlier, Danielle, somewhere deep in my brain, I was like, oh, it's Friday. It's not Friday. <laughs> yeah. But even though it's Monday, what do we what do we say? Be good or be good at it. Peace.
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.